0: Beast out there for a second, please. We're just doing, hello, thank you, thank you, sir. We're just doing that to calm you down. It's uh, the savage, the savage breast gets even more savage at this time. You know, I, I, uh. It's getting to—it's getting to be that time, and you know, it is. Let's face it: uh, if you haven't done your Christmas shopping by now, there's going to be a moment of total panic. It, it, you know, that is really one of the most—one of the most frantic feelings, yeah. Because I think almost everybody—there's hardly anybody in the world, at least uh, you know, people I know. Who are not died in the wool procrastinators. That's just just the way it is. Now, it doesn't make any difference how much you, you always say to yourself, next year it's going to be different. <laughs> yeah, it is different. You wait even longer. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I've never, I've never, uh, I-, I constantly have arguments with people about that. But I, in my lifetime, I have never seen anybody actually change. The people remain always, usually, well, I shouldn't say, uh, usually, I say people remain what they are. So if you're a goof-off, you'll be a goof-off the rest of your life. There ain't nothing you can do about it. And, uh, you know, every every year guys make resolutions and all that stuff, come on, That, uh, that the that the efficient, precise people will remain efficient, precise people to the last day of their life. Oh, right, they'll have everything all under control. I mean, they, will, they refuse to die of a heart attack until they've got everything, you know, all the taxes are paid, they got their drawers straightened up, and, <laughs> you know, a whole bit. Well, I just, uh, it's just a fact of, of life. And here it is, It's uh, you know, it's almost Christmas and uh, already Panicsville is setting in. And you can tell the people there's a, there's a there's a hunted look when you go into stores about a week or two or so before Christmas you can tell the guys that are on top of it you know the the people that yeah they're, they're just there they have a few extra things they they've started their shopping back in August you know what the hell but then there's the others the the the, the face looking people with the... The furtive look. They're running around like they're out of their mind, and they're trying to figure out something to get, for, you know, for somebody. And uh, it's uh, its always that way. But uh, what this does to me at this time of year, I really get nervous. I'm read really, really this uh, because I, I once was involved in something that uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to answer for when you get before the great bar of justice, <laughs> you're gonna have to answer. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about this fact. I don't think I've mentioned it more than oh, a couple of times since it happened. But you maybe you don't know who you're listening to. I bet you don't know who you're even working with, Herb. You, Jerry. Well, you two people are privileged to work in the presence Of one of the great Radio Santa Clauses of all time. That's right. Yes, sir. Among Santas, I am a legend. And when great Radio Santa Clauses get together, (laughs) uh, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, it's like uh, Ted Williams. When hitters get together, who do they talk about? They don't talk about Phil Lynch. Nope. They don't talk about uh, Al White late to the Met. What do they talk about? Right. The name Williams always comes up. Well, when great radio fans get together, <laughs> I don't like this. brag, but uh, why, George? Now I'll tell you. I'll tell you uh, how it happened. It's kind of embarrassing how you get to, You're curious how you get to be a radio fan. Well, I'll tell you how it happened. I'm. Uh, I'm kidding. That's what makes it legendary. You always think of Santa Claus as something you know that that uh, old codgers do. Well, my debut, and in fact, uh, my uh, the, the, well, uh, my big splash as a radio Santa was made. Are you ready for this? At the age of sixteen. That's what made it legendary. I mean, you know, a lot of... After all, why is Mozart legendary? Because he wrote a sonata at five. I mean, I was going to write a big thing about a guy writing a sonata at 44, but when he writes one at five, you know, people talk a little bit behind their back, you know, but they, they talk. Look at that little son of a gun, you know? Look at him sitting over there. Hm. Boy, if he was my kid. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> that little guy sitting there, is writing <laughs> and knocking off sonatas and piano concerti. <laughs> well, my old man was so embarrassed. It's very funny. I'm 16, see? And uh, I, had, uh, I had been uh, doing stuff on the local radio station in the south side of Chicago there, see? And uh, how it came about was uh, none of your business, but I did. I was doing stuff. And one day, it's about uh, roughly two weeks, in fact, it was exactly two weeks before Christmas. The call came three weeks before Christmas, but uh, the uh, show started two weeks before Christmas. That's the whole point of it, thing. I get this uh, come home from school one day, and my mother says, so, There was a call for you. And I said, That call for me? Who? Did uh, you know that Eileen call? She says, No, it was no, it was some man. And uh, here's the number. So I took a look at the number, and it turns out, you know, I recognized the number. It was the home phone number of the program director, this very official male, you know, tough program director of this radio station. And I looked upon him as sort of a godlike individual because he programmed, he he was in charge of everything on the radio station. That's a, a, believe me, that's that's a person to be reckoned with. And he had this big office with cork walls. That's, uh, that impressed me very much. In fact, everybody uh, still impresses me today. Anybody that's got cork walls in his office, you know, it's kind of a, it kind of has a Proustian quality to it. You know you know about Proust? You don't know about him, huh? Well, he sat around in a cork-lined room and wrote his memoirs. It's ever since that time, guys who have had you know, great mental powers have surrounded themselves with cork rooms. I mean, you know, I figured it might rub off. Maybe it was the court that made my Mar- proof <laughs> right the way he did. So, uh, nevertheless, uh, he had this quirk lined room, and I hardly ever talked to him. He didn't talk to anybody like me. And you know, I just come in and do this high school show once a week. I would come on and do the sports or something. So I got a call from him. So I, I you know, I go to the phone and I said, to, "Just a minute," I said, "Would you?" be quiet out there in the kitchen for a minute. My mother was yelling, my kid brother I says, hey, you know, I'm just an important phone call. And she says, all right. So I picked up the phone, I dialed the number, and on came this program record. He had been, in his solid days, a very famous radio announcer. Now he's working in the management. See, I didn't know that at the time, but I just knew he had this deep voice. And he says, yes? I said, uh, Mr. Weller, uh, uh, this is me. Oh, yes, I'm glad you called. I, uh, was meaning to talk to you about this. I said, oh, God, here it goes. You know, already you get that nervous thing. You, you boot it out. Now I'm not going to be on the show on Saturdays doing the sports, see? And I did high school sports. And he says, yes, I've been meaning to talk to you. He said, I'm sorry, uh, uh didn't you get Merle's memo? Memo, memo? Uh, no, uh, I was uh, just, don't, don't get alarmed, uh, uh, Would you please drop into my office tomorrow after school? What time do you get out of school? Well, I... At football practice tomorrow, I uh, get out uh, probably about uh, 4 or 5 o'clock, something like that. Well, I'll be in my office until 6. Drop by. Yes, sir. So I hang up, and the next day I'm worried. I have to figure some big problems. And so all through the day I'm worried... And uh, I finish with uh, school, and I go trudging on down to this radio station after I got off the bus. It was cold, and the wind was blowing. And down the street, it was before Christmas. It was about three weeks before Christmas, and you know how they put these lights across the main street, and they put the plastic wreaths on, on the street lights, and there were great these great big uh, sort of plastic uh, candles they had hooked up to the... Street lights and stuff and everywhere I look and you, know, you see Merry Christmas across the street and tinkled letters and stuff so it's cold and the wind is blowing and I go up the steps of the radio station with a sick thing in my gut because I uh, I really liked doing that thing I was doing I really enjoyed doing the sports every Saturday on this high school radio show and they're, yeah really great they're very exciting and I figured it's all over now all over Because already up to that point here, I'm 16, I've already been fired out of three different jobs. You ever been fired out of jobs? Usually, totally, you know, not because you you lost up, I think, just because uh, uh, the the, the guy's nephew has come home from school, and now he's going to take your job, so they just call you and you're fired, and uh, out you go. And I had already developed a a being fired syndrome and so I go trudging up the office, up the steps, and they were on the third floor of this building and the elevator was not working so I had to go up the steps and I go walking up the steps somehow that was symbolic and I'm going up the steps and I go to the second floor and I go to the third floor and I had these big glass doors you know how radio stations have the call that is and all that stuff with lightnings and stuff all around it so uh, I go <laughs> yeah, you know, you know the friendly spot on your dial 1230 on your dial you know that kind of stuff where iron meets cold in the Mahongahila Valley that kind of stuff so, yeah, a schlock group station. You know, they always have that uh, big names on the bottom. So, uh, I go in through the glass doors, and here's this girl who uh, was the receptionist sitting there, a very official girl. She hardly ever noticed anybody who was on little things like high school public service shows. And uh, I come up and I said, Excuse me. Uh, uh, and she says, "Yeah, oh, I know who you are. She says, Mr. Weller's waiting for you. Go right in. She's go right in? Oh, God. So I go through the little swinging door, and now I go down the hall to where Mr. Weller's office was. I don't know why I'm telling you this story. Have I ever told you this story? I know I haven't. So I walk in through the office door there, and <laughs> outside there is this girl sitting. Saying, I said, Mr. Weller here little anteroom say in his office. And she says, he's waiting for you. Gee, he's, uh, he was just waiting for you to come in. Go right in. Hmm. So I went through this office door and now I'm in the cork-lined presence and he's got this gigantic peakwood desk and he had uh, a gold microphone that he had won someplace somewhere, you know, with a plaque under it. And on the wall they had all these uh, framed things like uh, from the Red Cross for superior work, uh, raising dough for the Red Cross. You know how these awards... A lot of people have never been in a radio station. They don't realize that all radio stations have got awards, even before they go on the air. They have awards. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) This is WOR, by the way, speaking of award-winning beauties. This is WOR, New York. Yes, sir, the big time. Okay, now listen. uh, In answer to a lot of letters that have arrived here... Uh, asking about it, I don't know. I don't know quite what to say, but uh, I'll just lay it out for what it's worth. I do have a new LP out, and a lot of people have written me, and, and one guy in particular said that he heard about it and he wanted to know all the story. So here is the story. It's a new LP. It's the first LP I've turned out since so, 1963 or 4, when I turned out a few on on another label, and this is called. The Declassified Gene Shepherd, uh, And it's uh, subtitled, uh, The Public Has a Right to Know. And by God, they do. Absolutely. And it's in stereo. You put this thing on your stereo, and on one side you can hear me playing a Jews harp, and on the other side hitting my head, and on the middle side I'm dancing a jig. So that's the Declassified Gene Shepherd, and it is on mercury. You can get it in any record shop. And I know for a fact that uh, Sam Goody... Uh, has just reordered and uh, in fact any major record shop I don't want to plug anyone particular uh, you'll find them at Abraham and Strauss wherever you buy records you tell them you want Mercury number SRM SRM this is a serial number SRM1-615 the declassified gene shepherd the public has a right to know We'd like to uh, point out to you that the W.O.R. Christmas Fund is still swinging. And if you'd like to contribute to this fund, which is one of the oldest charities in New York City and uh, one of the most respected, send your check or money order, whatever you'd care to send, to W.O.R. Children's Christmas Fund. And the address is Box 710, which is cleverly our frequency. Box 710, Times Square Station, New York. I'm our hint letter. You know, kids are saying the strangest things about drugs. I'm a girl who likes to play in the future. I've always had my own dreams about the future, and I want real much things come true. I don't want drugs to spoil it. First of all, I want to be happy and have my family, and if I take drugs, it's a coward ruin it for me. I think people who take drugs are found much who don't want to or can't face reality and the problems that face them. I also think that there are selfish people who don't care about their friends and the friends who care about them, but so just think about themselves. I think that drugs and a real drive and happy people don't go together, and I want to have both. That youngster knows it. The New York State Narcotic Addiction Control Commission knows it. And now you know it. This is all my credit. Remember, you can't make it with drugs. So uh, I walk into into yeah, this courtroom. I shake it. See. I got my got my coat. You know, open up. And I'm wearing my sheepskin coat. I had a sheepskin, great groovy sheepskin coat, which uh, I uh, it was it was the year of the sheepskin coats. You know, it came with a sheepskin collar and all. And uh, I stand in front of his desk, and he's on the phone, very official. He "Yes, yes. Well, I'll look into it right away. Yes, sir." Well, I don't think that's possible, but uh, it uh, could po- probably have... Po- possibly was a mistake in the traffic department, yes. Yes, sir. Well, that's all. Oh, by the way, uh, how about lunch next Thursday? What do you say, J.D.? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll uh, meet you in the Silver Bugle Room down at the uh, Bright Kentucky Hotel. Yes. I'll see you at the bar. Okay, J.D., thank you. Thanks, uh, uh, that was my first experience watching a guy make a date for lunch. Uh, little did I realize that it was the basic industry that, of all radio and television people that I was to run into throughout the rest of my life. But more action is in the lunch world, both preparing today's lunch, getting ready for going to meet the guy on today's lunch, checking your memo to make sure that uh, uh, you've got it right, and checking the restaurant and all. And then after you get home from lunch you know, back at the station, which usually is about 4 or 4.30, just in time to catch the 5.17. The next uh, hour and a half is preparing and making the telephone calls for tomorrow's lunch, which will begin roughly at 11.30 the next day, after you've got in from Darien on the 10.17 a.m. So uh, luncheon is a very important part of this industry. I mean, I don't know how this industry could function if tomorrow morning all the luncheon restaurants were put out of business just like that, by magic, you know, if some giant devil arrived on the scene. Imagine this big uh, anti-lunch devil. Oh, that scares all the, all the uh, agency men out there. There's an anti-lunch devil. <laughs> Imagine this anti A little echo chamber. I am the anti-lunch devil. All of you going out to lunch lunch today, forget it, because I am destroying all the lunch restaurants, all the French restaurants, all the Yugoslavian restaurants, all the Charlie Brown restaurants in the world right now with a beat of lightning. What a scene. I mean, uh, mean, if the anti-lunch devil arrived, forget it. I mean, more guys would... Uh, oh, I don't know what they do. I think radio and TV would slowly expire. but Very little business would transpire, I can tell you that. And uh, how'd you like my devil? He real good, wasn't he? He was real good, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't mind a, a really good, efficient devil. It's, 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 When you run into inept devils, that's where you got problems. I know a couple of those. You know, guys that try to be evil, but they don't quite make it, you know. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, here uh, you know, I am. I'm standing in front of uh, Mr. Weller's desk, and he's on the phone, and he hangs up, and he says, so, yes, yes, yes. See, he's so busy, he'd forgotten why he was waiting for me. Or at least that's uh, what he wanted me to think, see. There's a certain kind of executive that wants you to believe that he's so unbelievably busy at all times that he barely has the time to spare for like, uh, you know, two or three minutes out of the day for station business. Uh, that's a, sort of a, you know, squeezed in between the really important phone calls and memos and stuff. He says, yes, yes. Uh, oh, yes, of course, of course. Uh, sit down right uh, over there in the chair. Yeah, you just uh, take, it, take a seat. Well, I sat down in this gigantic leather chair that most uh, executives have in their offices. an enormous leather settee-like, you know, made out of this dark cordovan leather. That, that settee alone, that chair, I would guarantee you cost more than all the electrical equipment we had in the station. Now, you may be surprised out there, friends, to know that the offices of many executives contain more beautiful uh, lamps and more beautiful desks and stuff, and they're more expensive than the actual equipment on the station. In fact, I, I was once working at a station where they had to make a major decision one time. And uh, I was called in to testify. You know, sometimes when major decisions occur, uh, some of the lower-class yard birds are called in for a brief moment of, of testimony. See? So uh, I was called in to testify. And you know what it was about? <laughs> and, man, we were in this office. It must have had a $20,000 rug alone on the floor. You know, just walk on the rug. And it had a huge, magnificent walnut, hand, uh, hand-rubbed, milled walnut desk. You could sit, the kind of desk you can imagine Richard the Lionheart it must have actually had. And I had lion's feet for, for uh, down at the bottom of the legs and It was a fantastic desk. We're sitting in it, and all the assembled executives were there on hand to make a, a, a momentous decision. What do you think the momentous decision was? Now, I'm telling you the truth. They were trying to decide whether or not they were going to buy for the station. Remember, we were talking from an officer that had at least $100,000 worth of furniture alone in it. We were trying to decide whether the station was going to go all out and buy two new LP heads for Studio 2. I mean, heads. You know what it is it, a head? That's on the turntable. And uh, since about the only thing this radio station sold <laughs> was records, <laughs> it, would t- it would seem to be a self-evident decision. But no, they had to make a big decision on it. So, uh, yeah, I-, I don't think that, I don't think they thought more than, uh, you know, eight or nine seconds ordering the desk for that office. But the LP heads that with something else. And by the way, are you curious how the decision went? I do not have to tell you. That's right. That's right <laughs> Well, uh, nevertheless I'm standing before the office I don't want to tell you all this uh, backstage stuff So I'm standing before the, the, uh, the great God there And he says oh, so, so I sank into this magnificent Court of a mother You know, it was the kind when you sit down It takes It, it sort of exhales a deep breath It goes <sighs> You know, you sit down Oh, man, you can smell the leather And I'm very nervous I'm uh, plucking at my uh, sheepskin coat, and Mr. Weller says, uh, uh, "Take off your coat, son." I take my coat off. I said, um, "Been listening to you, and gonna uh, offer you some really interesting work." and to slow deliver it. He delivered everything he said. It was, a, it was a big pronouncement. You know, one of the most important uh, programs we have on uh, the station here at this time of the year, and I trust that you listen to our station and have listened to it uh, steadily for some time, you probably are aware that uh, one of the most important programs we have on this station, and it's just about to go on the air again uh, in just a week, One week from today, as a matter of fact. Every year we have a program entitled Letters to Santa. Have you heard the program? (laughs) Well, uh, yes, yes. Which, of course, was a total lie. You you learn very quickly in this business to be a total liar. Yes, one of my favorite shows. I wait all year for it. (laughs) Letters to Santa, of course. (laughs) Very good show, indeed. Well, I'm glad you heard the program because uh, Fred and I have talked it over. Fred, by the way, was the owner of the radio station and an unbelievable scrooge. Yes, indeed, a total scrooge. Uh, so Fred and I have talked it over and uh, we'd like you to be Santa this year. I was stunned. Me, Santa? Santa Claus? I thought at first, yeah, he's he's putting me on. Really, the first thing I thought, yeah, it can't be true. Yes, uh, we we think that uh, you uh, you could be a very fine Santa Claus, and uh, would you care to do it? <laughs> it's the first radio show i was ever offered. You know, I was, at this point I've been just you know doing this little sports thing on the high school Saturday morning uh, salute to high school show. That was called the Salute to the High School Show. Well, uh, yeah, I sure would. I, 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 I'd like to do it. Yeah. Sure would. Is that class? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Uh, of course, you realize this is a very important program, and it's on uh, every day of the week. It's on six days a week for two weeks. The two weeks uh, just before Christmas, and the last program will be on the uh, evening on Christmas Eve. And the program is uh, broadcast, as you know, since you've listened to it so often. The uh, program is broadcast every day from uh, five to five thirty in the afternoon, and uh, you take letters from the children out there and you answer the letters on the air. And of course, uh, uh, you have to uh, you have to have a certain amount of style. We want you to practice laughing. We want you to practice. We have a jolly Santa Claus on our station, and Mr. Fritts of the Fridays Furniture Corporation. Wants to hear a good, jolly Santa Claus. After all, they sponsor the program. And uh, you'll have to make a Saturday morning appearance on Christmas Eve. Uh, so that will be Saturday this year, as you know. You'll have to make a Saturday morning appearance before all the children out there as the radio Santa Claus. And we will broadcast that last show direct from the toy department of Brightus Furniture. And uh, we'll uh, get you a regular Santa Claus costume. And uh, by the way, I want you to talk to Elsie when you leave out there. And give, her, give her your sizes, and we'll order the costume. And uh, I'll be in touch. Of course, I was getting them all. Uh, when they say I'll be in touch, that means uh, you're dismissed. So instantly, Sam picks up the phone, Mr. Weller, and he starts to call his next caller. Uh, uh, say, Elsie, would you please get me uh, L.D. on the phone over at the BBD and Asquith Agency, please? And I go scuttling out. I'm Santa Claus. My God, I'm Santa Claus! I, I couldn't believe Santa Claus, me Santa Claus, me, Santa Claus, sixteen Santa Claus, so Santa Claus. You know, always seem to me to be you know these elderly guys somehow that Santa Claus. So Santa Claus, you know who Santa Claus is? Santa Claus for one thing is not sixteen, and nothing Santa Claus does not do. He does not consistently play third base. And uh, I had never heard of a Santa Claus that spent a lot of his time as a linebacker, you know? <laughs> so I go into, into the ante room, and there's Elsie. says she's getting that number. And she finally says, yes. She was a, kind of a nice, skinny lady who sang in the choir at the Baptist church, you know? Yes. I say, uh, Miss Elsie, uh, uh, Mr. Weller just uh, told me to give you my sizes. What for? What sizes? Well, uh, I'm going to be Santa Claus this year. Said, what? I said I'm, I'm <laughs> going to be Santa Claus. You better talk to Mr. Weller, and he'll tell you about it. But uh, my sizes, I wear forty regular, and uh, and uh, you know just regular sizes. That's so all. You know, just medium. Well, yeah. she sort of looked at me with a long, cool look. See, she had this gray silvery hair, she had gray, silvery, rimless glasses, and she always had a lot of powder on her, she was kind of, looked like she was kind of made out of powder, you know, with a little rouge on her face. and so I scuttled out, well, I ran back to the announcer's lounge with all these real official announcers, I said, you know, these are the guys that I envied, you know, there wasn't, I'll say there wasn't an announcer on that staff that was under 17, these were, you know, really experienced type announcers. And uh, they were all the 200, 250-watt stations, see? They were all the true 250-watt type announcers who uh, walked around and said things like this. You know, there's a, there's a certain phase to which uh, a 250-watt announcer... And by the way, if he never gets out of that phase, he will remain forever a 250-watt announcer. You know, it's the guy with the grab in the ear. You've seen him on uh, Laffy, and, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a typical one, see? He's always... Uh, every time he takes an announcement, he says... Uh, for example, if he were going to do uh, our Christmas fun spot, he would say, <coughs> All in there, ready in there? <coughs> uh, <coughs> this is a 250-watt announcer about to do his thing, say See, <coughs> <coughs> the, the microphone is up. <coughs> <coughs> and uh, he waits, and then the engineer throws the microphone down. He says, uh, Say, friends, you'll know that a little bright-eyed child is also opening his gifts, And in your heart, you'll know that you were really a Santa Claus. That's R's Children's Christmas Fund, Box 710, Box 710, Times Square Station, New York, New York. That's WOR. You know, this, uh, that's a 250-water at work. You know, he's got his hand over his ear, and you really love to hear this thing, say, so I go in, and here they're all sitting around these casual-looking announcers. <laughs> There's two of them, and then one guy's on the air. And I walk in and says, Hey, uh, uh hey, fellas. Yes? Let's see, uh, guess who's Santa Claus this year? Hmm, who? That's me. It's a dead silence, because they had apparently <laughs> all been one of them would get it, see? <laughs> because, of course, this was a very lucrative show since the talent be on this show. It went seventeen dollars. They paid seventeen bucks per week on this show. See, that was extra. That was in addition to your regular staff sale, $11 a week. See, so uh, it was a you know it was a real uh, real windfall. So uh, <laughs> I, I you know I, I rushed out of the building and the wind is blowing see, and all, above me all these uh, these uh, Christmas tree ornaments were tinkling in that uh, icy December breeze. And above the street, uh, you could see the. The uh, tinsel letters hanging. Merry Xmas, you know. It's, oh, wow. Well, I, I, I took the bus home, and all the while, home, I'm practicing, see, to myself. I'm going, hm, ho, ho, ho. <clears throat> ho, ho, ho. ho, <laughs> ho, 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 ho. Uh, ho, 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 You know, it's not easy when you haven't been a Santa Claus to know how to do that ho, ho business. That's not so easy. I mean, hey, you, you may put it down, but I right now, out there where you're listening, sit in front of your radio and go, ho, ho, ho. It's not easy. First of all, you feel like a damn fool doing it. And uh, secondly, it doesn't come lightly to the tongue. And if you do it long enough, you get a sore throat, which I later found out, because, boy, being Santa Claus is not easy. So uh, I'm going, ho, 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 boys and girls, ho, ho, ho. Why, it's Santa Claus, ho, 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 ho. Well, I go charging up the front steps of the house, (laughs) and I go running into the kitchen, you know, I go to the house and my mother's in the kitchen there. My kid brother's sitting there. He's eating a peanut butter sandwich. And I go running in. I say, hey, Ma. She says, yes, yes. I said, don't, don't, uh, don't uh, don't make so much noise. Your brother's concentrating on a sandwich. I say, hey, Ma, guess what? She says, what? What you do now? Says, I am Santa Claus on the radio. She turns around, drops her Brillo pad. I said, you are what? I said, I'm Santa Claus. Said, You're Santa Claus. I said, Yeah, me, I'm Santa Claus. You know, letters to the Santa Claus. I got a regular show. She says, Really? And she rushes into the telephone and instantly calls Mrs. Bruner. Of course, you know the neighborhood, they, they, after all, when a you know kid makes a big and showbiz, you know you call up right away, see. So all that week, I'm spending at the station now. The letters are starting to come in, see, because every year they've got promotions on the station, you know. Send your letter to Santa Claus, kids. The 250-watt station Send your letter to Santa Claus. Yes, tell Santa what you would like for Christmas. After all, every year, Santa comes around, and he's going to want to know what you want for Christmas. Santa Claus this year is sponsored by the Friday's Furniture Corporation, 726 State Street just across from Miner's Department Store. Uh, you know, and sure enough, there were bags of letters of thousands of letters coming. in. They came in great big sacks. And every day I've been there, I'm going through the letters and I'm picking out the ones I'm going to do. And I'll never forget the first morning that I got ready to prepare my show. Naturally, we used as a theme, what do you think we used? I mean, you know, this is a, Traditional no Jingle bells, jingle bells. They got this record from, from one of the record libraries, typical record library record, you know. And it was a jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on one horse open play. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. And at that point, oh, what fun it is to ride on one horse open play. Hey. And then the, then the band would come and... Well, at that point, when he just... He was, uh, I would come out and I would have to do this. Ho, 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 ho. hello, boys and girls. It's Santa. Ho, ho, Merry Christmas. Oh, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. up at the North Pole have been asking about you and all year we've been preparing those goodies for all of you little kiddies out there. And we want to know just what it is you want. Do you want a doll? Ho, 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 Oh, we have some beautiful dolls this year. Do you want a sled? ho, oh, ho, ho, ho. Yes, we have some beautiful sleds. And we have all kinds of wonderful toys this year. Merry Christmas! And then the theme would come up. Ding, 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 Rigga ding, 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 And then the, one of the 250-watt announcers would come on. It's says announcer at this point. Yes, uh, it's time for another visit from uh, Santa Claus, sent to you by the Friders Furniture Corporation. And all of you boys and girls out there, send your letters to Santa Claus addressed to Santa, S-A-T-A, Santa Claus. And now, here he is, here's Santa. Ho, 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 thank you, thank you. Ho, 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 well, we have a letter here. <laughs> Little Johnny Woznofsky writes from Calumet City. Oh, Merry Christmas, Johnny. Yes, and Johnny says that he would like to have a Lone Ranger six shooter for Christmas. Well, we'll see what we can do about that, Johnny. Ho, 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 ho. Yes, Merry Christmas, Johnny. Ho, ho, ho. And now we have a letter from a little girl out there, white. This letter says, I am 16 years old. Ho, ho, ho. Ooh. Here's some chick, you know, that I've been eyeing for weeks at school. And here I've got a, her letter to Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Why, little Eileen Akers, just 16, writes and says, dear Santa I would like to have a heart shaped compact. A heart shaped compact made out of silver for my Christmas present. Why? Oh, 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 why, we think we can arrange that? Little Eileen Acres. I'll bet you're a cute little girl. Bye, George. Ho, ho, ho. And now, we'll be back in just a moment. But now, a word from. Santa's helper, those wonderful folks down at ho, 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 down at Frida's. Yes, friends, the Frida's Furniture Corporation stands ready to supply your every need, whether it be a daybed, whether it be a wonderful pot for holding ferns, whether it be a wonderful toy for your child at Christmas. The Frida's Furniture Corporation now makes available for those of you who are out there our special Frightus credit plan. Ask about your Fridays credit plan. If you have not been able to get credit anywhere else, remember Fridays stands ready to underwrite your credit. Yes, credit with a smile at Fridays. And now, back to Santa. Ho, 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 ho. Well, do you like the way I did that? That was really good, you know? <laughs> What's the matter? <laughs> well, the one thing, though, that I had to do, and uh, after every show, I had a fantastic sore throat. I mean, you know, after all, I was, I, was, I was placing my voice at least four octaves lower than my normal voice, you know, which is a normal voice. And uh, I, I, I would have to come on, well, boys and girls. That's the way Santa talks. He doesn't come on and say, hey, you guys out there, this is Santa. Not at all. It's boys and girls, it's old Santa Claus, ho, ho, ho. Gee, you do that for half an hour, and, you, you know, you, you come out and you're going, whack. <laughs> well, it's wild. The, the letters kept coming in, and tremendous collection of letters. And after the third day, I get, a, I get this, this memo. Uh, from Mr. Weller, the head, you know, the head cheese. And he says, uh, I want to see you after today's show. And I'm all excited, say, I figure, oh, boy, I've, I've you know, I've flooded the dove because I was always feeling that I wasn't making it, see. So I go in to see him, and my voice is still like this. See, I've just finished the show, and I suggest, Mr. Weller. He I, I want you to sit down there for a moment, son. Uh, just take it easy. Cigar? Well, <laughs> You know, 16, I, I uh, was not yet in the cigar stage. Uh, in fact, uh, I was just making the transition from Pepsi-Cola to actual, the real thing, Coke. You know, most kids wean themselves on Pepsi-Cola, and then they move up to Coke, you know. And he says, cigar, son? <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't smoke. Oh, of course. Uh, house. <laughs> I'm sorry, of course. That's a good thing. Uh, I wish I had never smoked myself. Well, I just wanted to call and tell you, just wanted to tell you right now. In fact, uh, I, uh, when I was talking to Elsie just a moment ago and we went and got the memo to have you come in and see me after the show, I said to Elsie, "By George Elsie. That young man is the finest Santa Claus we have ever had. And I thought that I should tell you to your face. You're the finest Santa we've ever had. As a matter of fact, you have a... A natural Santa Claus jovial laugh. And I just wanted to tell you that you're doing fine. And Mr. Freitas is very pleased. Well, I walked out of that office, you know, I'm walking on air. The greatest Santa Claus that ever worked at this radio station. Until the next time, the next day when I came on the air, I came on the air with increased, I mean, total confidence. You know, oh, oh. oh. And I began to add little things. you know, like, ho, oh, oh, oh. boys and girls, that reminds me of one time when we were up at Santa's workshop. You know, I have this workshop up in the North Pole, and all of you boys and girls wonder why I have my workshop up at the North Pole. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because up at the North Pole, you know, boys and girls, we get away from all the all the memos. We don't have all those problems that all of you folks have living down here. We don't even have telephones, and we can work hard all year long preparing all those wonderful toys. Yes, I was talking to Mr. Fridays, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, ho, the other day, and he said to me, I'm glad that we're able to stand behind you, Santa. Well, that Saturday of Christmas. I appeared in the toy department, wearing pillows all over the place, you know, and I had this great big red suit, and uh, and they, they gave me a PA system, and the actual work at Santa Claus there, uh, he discreetly stayed away. The real Santa Claus, and they opened up the curtain, and there was the radio Santa Claus, and there were thousands of kids out there. And I looked out all over the kids, and I said to the PA system, oh. Ho, ho! My beard is waggling up and down. Ho, ho, boys and girls! And down in the third row, I could see Ivy Nakers, the chick that I was trying to make the scene, machine. no idea it was me. I had been sworn to secrecy to tell nobody at school I was Santa Claus. And as far as I know, to this day, they don't even suspect me. Ho, ho, ho! Ho, ho, ho! ho. Uh, this is... <coughs> uh, this is W O R New York. Now it comes with the news with John Scott.